Broadcasting from the News Radio 102.9 KARN Radio Center and Studio 1B, it is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine. Hope you guys are having a great Saturday. Hey, we're talking about one of my favorite topics today. I hope you guys don't get tired of hearing about Jaws because we do talk about Jaws quite a bit. I think it's one of the greatest films and had one of the best sequels. Uh, as far as sequels go, we're talking with Savannah Marie. She is a producer on a documentary being made right now called Back in the Water, and it's actually about the making of Jaws 2. How are you, Savannah? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. So uh, we'll talk about your documentary and everything. Well, I'm wondering, what are your first memories of Jaws? Um, I think growing up in a beach community, um, of course, I was familiar with the tie of where I grew up to Jaws 2 specifically, mm-hmm. um, but also just being in the water and in the water where there are our sharks, of course. <laughs> um, I think my first experience with Jaws was when I was maybe between the ages of seven and eight, um, which is kind of young for the first film, honestly, <laughs> but uh and then I actually hadn't seen Jaws 2, I feel really bad about this, until last year. Okay. Which is a little embarrassing. Yeah, because you I sound too young to have been around the scene it in the theaters. No, I, uh, I'm i 25. Okay, so. you're 25. Okay. <laughs> I feel old because I grew up watching Jaws on television when there were three stations, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, no... 90s baby here. So. <laughs> Jaws was really the first summer blockbuster. It really started all of what we know, the big films coming out in the summertime. And, right. uh, you know. Yeah, that was, I mean, we have sequels for everything now, but back then it wasn't something that was done. Um, and I imagine that it probably was a daunting task to think about when they were first trying to figure out what a Jaws sequel would be. Well, I know that Spielberg only wanted to be involved if he could tell the story of the, of the Indianapolis. Of course, the, the ship going down that Quint relays to mm-hmm. Hooper and Brody. He, he thought that would be a movie. And, of course, they just wanted something more similar to the first one. Yeah, uh, they know. wanted a continuation. Right, right, exactly. And uh, I know that Zanuck and Brown and Joe Alves and some of the people involved initially didn't want a sequel to happen and universal told them, Hey, we're making a sequel with you or without you. So they thought we better get on board just to to be able to steer it a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think they knew that the film would be made with or without them and they wanted to be able to still kind of like have control over the project. Um, so that's why the producers definitely returned, um, David Brown and Zanuck, uh, but yeah, no, couldn't get Spielberg on board. They tried twice and uh, he just passed on the offer, was not a fan of the idea. Yeah, he just was going to leave it be. You know, he'd already done it. He'd made the definitive shark movie. Right. Really, and you know. Master, it, <laughs> yeah, and he did an unbelievably fabulous job. Um, but I, I understand why at the time when it was just a concept, maybe he would have passed on it. I mean, Roy, Roy Scheider didn't like the idea either. Yeah, that's right. I was going to ask you about, uh, I've kind of researched that a little, little bit. Roy Scheider had a contract to be in the deer hunter. 
and dropped mm-hmm. out like two weeks before shooting. And of course he had signed a contract and the only way Universal was going to smooth that over is if he appeared in Jaws 2. Yes. So, um, so I guess he avoided legal trouble by making this sequel. Yeah, he kind of had a contractual obligation to Universal to be in it. Um, and definitely had his... Uh, he was very outspoken at the time when the film was being made that he was not particularly pleased that he was there. Um, yeah, he and really? uh, he and um, you know, Swark uh, got into lots of very public spats during filming. Um, I one of the anecdotes that I remember uh, coming across was uh, while filming, uh, I think it was a scene outside of the Holiday Inn Holodome, which was this big hotel on Navarre Beach where Universal set up its entire headquarters for the film. Right, and it's it's, it's the hotel that's in the the opening part where they're doing the celebration and cutting the ribbon and things. Um, that's like the lobby, I believe area. Yeah. Well, um, they're revealing the pool and cutting the ribbon and mm-hmm, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Fun fact. I grew up swimming in that pool for a little bit. Really? Um, fortunately, the, <laughs> yes, unfortunately the hotel was destroyed in 2004 by hurricane Ivan, but I did, I do have very distinct memories of being in that pool. Um, Cause after a day at the beach, my mom would come in there and we would, you know, she would socialize and go, you know, cool off and have a drink. And I would go swim in the pool and have fun. Was Um, it a functioning hotel when it was destroyed? Yes. Uh, And I think there is a new one built on that land now, but there definitely wasn't for over a decade. Wow. It sat empty. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask you about something that I, I think this may have come out somewhat currently. I just saw this recently, but the actor Ricky Schroeder, has come out in an interview and revealed that his very first acting job was playing Roy Scheider's son in Jaws 2, and that they shot a huge chunk of Jaws 2 with a completely different script, a completely different director in Martha's Vineyard, and no one has yeah. really ever seen that footage. What is that all about? Um, the So the director of the first film was John Hancock, and yeah, they started up there in Martha's Vineyard just like they did with the first Jaws. And um, in um, within a month, uh, Universal fired Hancock and decided to find a new director. I don't think they liked uh, his vision or what his results were. Um, and so uh, by the time they finally did get a replacement, um, they decided to move to Florida. And so a lot of what... Hancock filmed didn't make it into the final cut. They almost, it seems to me like they largely kind of started over whenever they moved locations. Um, I've heard the only shot. I've heard the only shot in the film that is still his is like that really great shot of the fin coming into the Harbor that kind of says, Hey, the shark is back and, and whatnot, Mm -hmm. which is a great shot. Yeah. And some of the shots um, that aren't on the beach, but are within Amity Island. Uh, some of those neighborhood shots and street shots, those are still up in Martha's Vineyard. Um, they kind of like s- split those shots in between things that they got uh, up in Massachusetts and things that they got in downtown Pensacola at the time. 
Because Downtown was... Pensacola looks very frozen in time. It's very cutesy oh, down there. Oh, yeah, I got you. What was the idea to move to Navarre, Florida from Martha's Vineyard? Expense or warm water or, or what? Yeah. Um, a big motive, from what I understand, uh, producer, the producer, uh, David Brown, he said um, that the reason why they went to Florida was because... Um, yeah, you hit the nail on it. The water was easier to film in. It was warmer. And uh, he also mentioned there's a lack of sailboats to work around uh, in oh. Navarre Beach. Navarre Beach was a very, uh, very pristine, very untouched, tiny beach town at the time. There was not a whole lot of people there. And it definitely looks a lot different now. It exploded over the last 40 years. Um, and so uh year round i mean it does get cold in the winter time i wouldn't want to get in the water now definitely not but in general for most of the year uh it's definitely a warmer and calmer uh environment to work in but also uh that area of florida on the gulf coast is just so well known for having this extremely clear water when you work in like the ocean uh Atlantic side, it can be a little murkier, a little choppier, mm-hmm. things like that. But when you're in the Gulf of Mexico under ideal conditions, it's like you can see the bottom for a very far down. I and so I imagine that. for if you're filming in a movie that largely takes place in the water, it's attractive to go someplace where one, your cast is not going to be freezing to death in between shots. Yeah. Two, uh, you have better visibility with your cameras both in and out of the water. You know, it's funny, those early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, is about the only time sequels have been good. You've got Jaws 2, <laughs> you've you, you've got The Empire Strikes Back, and you've got The, the Wrath of Khan. That, that is a period of time when they seem to know how to do sequels right. Yes, and it was a pretty new concept to Hollywood also. Yeah, that's true. It was not, that was very rare that you had it. Like Godfather had it, maybe two movies at that point. But, mm. you know, King mm. Kong and James Bond were the only the ones that really had sequels. Right. Yeah. Jaws 2 uh, actually held the title for the highest grossing uh, sequel in history for about a year. It was replaced by Rocky 2 the following year. But yeah, it held that title for a while. It was it was big uh, when it came out. Um one of my favorite scenes in Jaws 2 is, uh, I, and I recently, we had Joe Alves on the show who directed uh, Second Unit, and he mm-hmm. directed the whole helicopter attack scene, which there are two versions of that scene. I know there's a longer version on like special editions or YouTube or something uh-huh. that are more graphic, but what surprised me is that he had shot all of that in the ocean not in a tank like we see the shark versus the the cage in Jaws 1. Have you, have you ever heard that before? Uh, yes. Uh, the helicopter scene is special, too, because the helicopter, if I am, if I have my facts straight, uh, the helicopter that was used in that scene that got destroyed and like broken up by the shark and all right. that, it was built by a local pilot that was hired out of the Gulf Coast. Um, and I think they had someone else dub over for the helicopter pilot's voice, but yes. that was a local pilot and he built that for the sole purpose of it getting broken up and destroyed. Cause he was like, I'm not, uh, destroying my actual helicopter, but 
I've also heard Joe said he was also scared of water, that he really was not very good, you know, dealing with the underwater things. And you're right. His voice is dubbed by a guy that passed away a few days ago, I understand. Yes, I know. Yeah, I saw that. That's such a shame. Sad deal. Um, a thing, another thing I've heard about Jaws too, is that Roy Scheider, he liked one, he didn't like working on the thing, but he liked to spend all of his time laying around on the beach tanning so much that it was a problem photographing him. He was getting darker (laughs) and darker and darker. Have you heard that? Uh, I think I might have come across that before. Yes. And I kind of don't blame him because when you visit that area, I mean, I think that's probably on the top five things to do when you go down to that area of Florida. Are, is there a is certain, on the beach. is there a certain beach or certain areas or are there any restaurants in Navarre that kind of lay claim to taking part in Jaws 2? Not in Navarre Beach, but yes, in Destin, which is a little bit further east down the coast uh, in Okaloosa Island. Destin had two locations that could be tied to the film. Both locations moved. Their original ones moved, but they are still there and you can go to them. One is the Hog's Breath Saloon, which is uh, the bar scene I've where heard all the kids are that. playing pinball. Uh, uh, if you go into that establishment now, I believe they have a neon sign somewhere on there that says like as seen in Jaws 2, something like that. And then the other location is a restaurant called Captain Dave's. I haven't personally been there, but it used to be right next to the Dustin Harbor and like right in the backyard of that restaurant. Um, you can see flashes of it in the movie. Really? Um, mm-hmm. Surprised you don't sell Jaws 2 t-shirts and stuff like that around there. Somebody probably does. I lived there pretty much my entire childhood and really no. And I don't know why. And I think they should fix that. Um, the only reason why I knew that Jaws 2 was made in the area was because of family friends of my parents that would tell me stories about it. Really? Did they meet Scheider or any of those characters? I don't know if any of them personally did, but I've since uh, found people who were involved in the film that still live in the area, and they have all sorts of great stories. Um, and that's that's what we've been searching for with Back in the Water is people like that. Oh, of course, that have firsthand knowledge. Um, at the end of Jaws 2, and everyone, so many people have seen this, they're going to know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Everyone's striving to get to this fake island or of course it's played as what a power junction or something like that cable junction cable junction but it's actually like a floating barge with a fake island on it i've always heard that while they were filming they could see actual sharks swimming around the thing have you heard that yes um cable junction uh at one point broke loose and was actually floating away and they had to catch it. Um, (laughs) I do remember that story. And then also, yes, there is a story about, it was a scene where the film crew was filming the group of teenagers from a distance and they were supposed to be calling for help. And so they're, they're kind of far away and they're filming these kids. uh, And what they didn't realize is that their cries for help were real. They had hammerhead sharks that were circling around them, which hammerhead sharks, not not the scariest sharks you could encounter no. in the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, I definitely, but that doesn't change the fact that if it were me, I also would be scared to death. <laughs> I would not be happy about it. But yes, there, there was a 
incident where actual sharks kind of terrorize the teen actors <laughs> while filming. My my son and I actually came down there and swam with sharks in Florida a couple three years ago and had a hammerhead show up. But to us, it was Braver the coolest thing. I. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. What happened mm-hmm. to the fake island? I don't know where it is now, but it definitely got packed up and taken away. It was a temporary structure that was built just for the film. And, uh, and I assume, you know, like got yeah. moved back to California, I guess. Who uh, knows? Probably took it apart or sank it. Maybe it may be on the bottom of the ocean somewhere. I mean, it would have made a really cool artificial reef for people to go see. Yes. But I'm sure, uh, the more that we work on this project, we'll probably be able to answer that question better. We'll be able to ask a little bit more like, where are the props now? Yeah, I would love to know. I, you know, I also love that one of the most well-directed scenes in the film, the helicopter, of course, but also the ski boat accident. I've mm. al- I've always heard one, it was genius the way Schwartz, they built these contraptions where you, you basically the camera lens is right up on the back of her ski. So you kind of mm-hmm. get the sense that you're the shark and that's the angle the shark sees, which it's genius how they figured out how to film that. But I've always heard that the old woman that's watching them ski when the boat explodes and all that, that that house was constructed as a shell just for that film. Is it true that they really were not houses where that houses house was at? I want to say yes, just because Again, back in the 70s, that area was still so underdeveloped. It was I, in the early 2000s, there were still dirt roads and lots of uh, lots that were not developed yet. So I imagine even before that, decades before, it was even more quiet and untouched. So it wouldn't surprise me. I know that they did build a lot of structures for the film, the lighthouse. Um, oh, the lighthouse was a prop. Yeah, that was filmed uh, on Fort Pickens, which is a national park. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it's a national park. They can't keep that there. But they did get special permission to go and build that there um, for that scene. We went looking for it, assuming that it would have been a permanent structure. And no, 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 no. Long gone. Uh, I, I do not know where that would be now. I wonder Same how complete it was, if you could go up in it or not. Maybe not. Uh, we have been in contact with someone who was a park ranger there at the time. Really? So I could probably ask him. Yes, he reached out to us. He actually lives uh, really close to where I am now in Tennessee. So we've been, I had a really cool phone conversation with him a couple weeks ago about uh, his work as a park ranger in the area, especially as it related to uh, witnessing the filming and keeping people safe while that was happening. I really don't care for any of the sequels after two. One and two are fantastic. We're talking with Savannah Marie. She is a producer on a documentary called Back in the Water that is going to be coming out. Uh, when is it going to come out? How, how long do you think before this thing hits the market? We would really love to see it. I believe we expect post-production to take six months after filming, which we'll be filming at the end of April of this year. So not long. I would say 2023 is definitely our target year for it to come out. And we have no reason to believe that it wouldn't work out that way. I think I bet it will. Are you thinking that Netflix and Amazon and those kind of things? Uh, Well, 
Netflix is a little far-fetched just based on uh, their criteria and how they, they pick and choose their documentaries now, but uh, I, I don't want to limit our goals or how far we're shooting, you know? It would be really cool to see it reach that level, so we'll see. You know, I don't think it's unrealistic. You know, I, I want to say fans made The Shark is Still Working about the first Jaws film, and it ended up on the, mm -hmm. the Blu-ray release of the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I am so tickled by how uh, passionate the Jaws fan base continues to be uh, and how wonderful uh, when we have talked about our idea to people who are fans of the movies and Jaws 2 specifically, they are so jazzed that something like this is being done. Um, so it's been very encouraging. And I'm really appreciative of all of that. I've always thought Jaws 2 was a really strong film. I mean, the first one is pretty much perfect, and, and what a great follow-up. After that, they just didn't seem to have it together. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not no, sure what happened. Uh, you know, it's they keep making scary shark movies, and I'm not sure I could ever appreciate them the same way that I do the first two Jaws films. No, I, I would say the one, uh, the reef or whatever, the one, the shallows, the one with the girl was a pretty decent effort and mm -hmm. I try to watch them all, but for the most part, they just don't even remotely compare to the first two Jaws films. It's a hard act to follow for sure. There's something about having a physical prop, not a CGI shark that only lives at a computer. Correct. Yes, that is. Uh, it makes a load of difference. I mean, just think about Jurassic Park too. Same story. Yeah. And not using computers, you know, taking the effort to build the dinosaurs and the sets like that. Uh, it's a lot of work, but it does make a load of difference. The mind can uh, perceive what is real and what's not. Mm -hmm. You know. And and they built three different sharks for Jaws too. They did, and and the people always think or, or or think that something's a little different. The, the Jaws two shark is the one with the underbite, correct? I think so. Yes. It's also missing like the jowls, you know, that the first shark, the Bruce had. Mm, well, it's definitely it's distinctly not the same shark. No, I think that was a distinction to make. It's not. It's not the same shark. It also has burn marks. Shark, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Jaws 2 is the one with the burn marks all over him, you know. Mm -hmm. Are any of the actors in Jaws 2 local people from Florida like they were in Martha's Vineyard in the, in the first film? Yes. Uh, well, pretty much every extra you'll see in Jaws 2 were people that were hired from the immediate area. But I have had a, the privilege of speaking to someone who had a brief speaking role as uh, his character's name was Sparky, and he was in the lobster diving scene. Um, really? The scuba so, divers? Yes, yes. Um, he was just a local guy. Uh, his name is Ben Anderson. He, Fun fact now, he is the Okaloosa County tax collector and has been a public servant for about a decade. But he, back then, just on a went, just answered the the call, and he put on his resume that he was, uh, dive certified, which I'm sure was very attractive to Universal because mm -hmm. they needed people who could safely do those kinds of things. And uh, they, he just was presented the opportunity and jumped at it. And he said it was uh, amazing. It was super, super cool uh, to see that process up close. 
and he had a lot of fun doing it. He was in that scene. Uh, he has a couple of lines, you know, he's the one that after they pull the injured diver up into the boat, he's the one that's screaming at them to get back to shore. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, um, He's even on the one of the French movie posters when the movie came out. Really? He's like he's like in it. Yeah. Uh he has all sorts of pictures of him from behind the scenes uh that he has forwarded to me. I am so thankful for him and just it's wild. I'm you know, you now you just are, you know, a civil servant and a husband and a dad that just lives in, you know, the Gulf Coast but that's like gotta be a cool conversation to have with people. You know, I know them. That scene, you kind of anticipate that one of the divers is going to get chomped and eaten by, you know, the shark, but he does, but it doesn't happen. He gets scared. He sees it's an awesome jump scare. I think it is. So I think what's cool about it is your friend there was in the water with the model shark, correct? Mm -hmm. Was it intimidating? It probably still looks scary underwater. I don't know if he, he never mentioned being freaked out by the shark. I think he was more fascinated by seeing it come together and how all of the, the starting and stopping and moving positions and redoing and redoing and redoing things over and over at the end comes together as this fluid scene. Yeah, that's right. Um, Yeah. Cause I'm sure at the time it didn't look fluid. Or, or things like that, because it you, you film it from one angle and then stop, and then you repeat the same lines from, from a different angle. angle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite a process. It takes a long time to to make a movie. Yes, he said it, it was a lot of hurrying up and waiting. Yeah, that's oh, how he definitely. described the process. <laughs> so, uh, what are some things about Jaws two that most people would never realize? Um. Besides just all of the the fact that it was just so many average everyday people that helped make it happen, uh, just uh, some of the drama, like again the the conflicts with uh, Scheider with uh, uh, Schwark, and um, I actually know that Scheider at one point got pulled over. For speeding, I think. Really? And I know that another person in production, I don't know, uh, the park ranger that I mentioned, uh, he said that he had pulled over somebody also. <laughs> and um, other than that... Uh, you don't pull over Chief Brody. I mean, come on, he pulls <laughs> you over, you know? I mean, what would you do? <laughs> I don't even know how I would feel. I mean, obviously, he's easily recognizable. There's no way that they didn't know upon walking up to the vehicle that that's who that was i just think that would have been kind of strange super what, strange was the scene with the dead burned up body that kind of the jump share scare when he oh, goes yeah. out is that on a beach you grew up playing on where is that yes yes that is uh and that's that's one of the scenes in the movie that when i first watched jaws 2 i kind of squinted and looked in and i saw when uh you know when chief brody's wading into the water mm-hmm. uh i'm looking at it, i'm going that is so distinctly my home. Oh, really? <laughs> the, that that white sand that it, it has the texture of sugar, really, because it's made out of quartz. Uh, yeah. It's it's a very fine, very pretty, bright white sand, and then that emerald water that's just very like clear and still. I'm going. 
Oh yeah, that's that's Florida for sure. Sure. I don't even know, and I can't watch the movie now without seeing that. It's very funny because um, I know it's supposed to be set up in you know up north. It's definitely not. <laughs> right now, it's not. But that's a great scene. So, yes, it is. It really is. It's super. It made me jump a little bit. Somebody should have that prop body up in a restaurant down there somewhere or something. <laughs> or at least a recreation of it. Yeah, I really don't know why the area hasn't capitalized on that as a, a thing to draw. Cause it's such a tourist heavy area now. And I don't know why that does not come up more. It really should. I mean, it has a huge fan base. Heck, heck it had a ride at universal for years and years and years. It's a popular deal. Even to this day, we're talking jaws two. We'll be right back here on Guatney unplugged. ask you about something savannah um i love the part of the mayor played by murray hamilton and i've always heard he was very reluctant to get involved in jaws 2 because his wife had cancer they lived in new york he didn't want to leave her while she was undergoing the treatments they say hey we'll film all your stuff in two or three days if you'll just come down here and do it he does then he goes back home to his wife she survives and he dies Oh, gosh. Like right after that. Have you heard of anybody working with Murray Hamilton or that story? Not yet. I know that I have spoken to people locally who uh, were in enough as extras that they got, you know, invited to certain uh, after parties and dinners. But I think that a lot of the actual Hollywood actors were very kind of separated they congregated more with each other or they stuck to the holiday inn headquarters where they were staying um as far as everyone that i've spoken to so far unfortunately there doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of mingling but maybe as we continue to kind of probe deeper uh, and develop the story we will get some more of those great anecdotes out uh about those details well there's more actors from the first one in it than you probably think about initially i mean lorraine gary the 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 Mm -hmm. wife is there um chief brody of course roy scheider murray Mm -hmm. hamilton the mayor but i want to say that one none of this kids in this film were his kids in the first movie correct i don't think so i don't think any of them are the same actor and i think even in like when they made like Jaws 4 and they explored the Brody family again, I don't think any of those actors were actors that had played his kids younger. It's almost like Clark Griswold. His family, his kids are always different kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but some of the yeah. older men and stuff are, are people from the Martha's Vineyard shoot, correct? I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question? Some of the some of the old the actors that play like the aldermen and or they, I think they call them select men in in the Jaws world. Some of those guys were from the first film, correct? The guys that run around with the mayor. Yes, yes. Um, I believe that they are included in that group of people that would have been uh, brought back for the second one. Have you ever researched the K five blazer? that Brody drives. Cause I want to say the one he has in jaws two 
is not the blazer he drove in Jaws 1. There are some differences. I cannot say for sure if that is the same car or not. No, I'm not sure. Uh, I, you know, I read the Jaws, the Jaws 2 log, uh, and in all the articles about the making of, I don't, I don't know for sure about the car. When Schwartz got the job as the director, what had he made prior to that? Anything really? He was, so he was known probably best before that for Night Gallery. Okay. The TV series. All right. um, Which is kind of a, I would describe it as kind of a grittier twilight zone that kind of feel okay uh like a horror so, twist or something i don't know yes okay. yes um yes a night gallery actually has an episode or a story in it i think it's called the caterpillar it's a very long story but my dad kind of traumatized me with that when i was a kid it's very ah. scary so he uh at Joe Alves knew him from working on the TV series Night Gallery. And so uh, he took on Jaws 2. And the fact that he was a TV director actually was one of the things that Schneider and him would fight about. Oh, really? It was like something that would get thrown out in their spats. Um, well, TV probably shoots faster and cheaper than movies typically it's pro- did. It's... it's definitely likely a little bit of a different process Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think that he did a great job anyway oh i think Uh, he did too i i know that that was an issue when the movie the running man was made with arnold uh mm -hmm. paul michael glazier who was one of the starskin hutch guys was a tv director and he made that film and that was a, a source of contention that he wanted to shoot it like a tv show and honestly it does look kind of cheap compared to uh the other movies that Arnold made there in the late eighties. So I don't know, maybe there is a something to that, but Jaws two was super well done. I thought. Yeah. He really took it uh, and ran with it and made it his own. And I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's hard taking a movie like Jaws and, and how do you follow that and make it your own and make it interesting and make it familiar enough that it's definitely, a Jaws story without it just being a cheap repeat of what sure. we already have seen. So, um, so with your documentary back in the water, whose idea was this? It was, uh, our director uh, whose name is Brody. Okay. <laughs> on purpose. Yeah. On <laughs> he, purpose. He yeah. Has, he has a, uh, there's not, it's not a coincidence. He has a big personal tie. He's a lifelong fan of Jaws, uh, and obviously his family is too. But he and I were working together uh, as producer-director for a localized newscast down in Florida. Okay. And so we became friends that way, and he came up to me with the idea right at the end of 2020 or maybe the like the first week of 2021. And he said, Hey, I have this idea. What do you think? And I said, absolutely. <laughs> Let me know how I can help. And then we ended up being coming partners in this idea. Um, I think within the next month we had gone up and down from Panama city beach, all the way to Pensacola and back scouting locations, trying to find little, little, remnants of jaws to where we could find them and try to scope out and see if this was even a story we could tell. And it turns out it is, and it's a very fun one so far. Be fascinating. If that prop orca boat was actually sunk out there somewhere and you found it, wouldn't that be something? Mm, 
Uh, well, one of the boats that was used, the boat that was used in that scuba diving scene, yeah, I... is a f- still a fully functional commercial vessel that is used to take people out on dive trips. It's called the Aquanaut. It was built by a local man there, uh, and it stayed in that family for a very long time. And the grandson of the person who built the boat is a captain on that boat now, and so they still take people out on it all the time. And yes, they do mention. <laughs> on the boat all the time. Yes, this was used in Jaws too. So Oh wow. Well you've got to include those guys in the documentary for sure. Yeah, absolutely. We've been, I, I've been talking with the it's own the boat's owned by a local company called Emerald Coast Scuba. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely been in contact with the captions there and they're super excited and have uh just a really cool history of the boat uh, as it relates to the film. You mentioned the book, I guess the Jaws log or one of those. There's been like one book about Jaws 2, right? There's not much else out there. That I know of, because trust me, I was trying to look for and absorb everything that I could possibly find. Uh, There's a man named Michael Smith, and he wrote uh, The Making of a Hollywood Sequel. And so he um, came down to Florida and did a lot of what we're doing now, which is tracking down local voices. He also interviewed, um, you know, people on the Hollywood side of things, but yes, he wrote a very detailed book about the making of the movie. I gotcha. Have you been able to find like some rare photos or something that maybe no one has seen yet? I am not sure. Uh, I know that a lot of the ones we found are, uh, from like government archives. There's, um, an online archive called Florida Memory, where you can find a massive gallery of them. But the people that we've spoken to, um, the man I mentioned earlier, Ben Anderson, he has photos wow. from his personal memory. So I'm not sure if those have ever been released or seen well, yet. Hopefully they'll show up in your movie. Do any of the oh, actors that played those kids on the sailboats, do they ever make personal appearances or any of them kind of known today as acting or would we know any of them or could meet any of them? Not that I know of. No, I don't think that the locals that were involved kind of got any, The, the none of them got their big break and went on to have acting careers after that. Uh, I know that Anderson <laughs> mentioned he said he waited for Hollywood to call him and they didn't. So it was his first and last um, acting job, paid acting job. But uh, no, <laughs> I think that it was uh, something that they did for that brief period of time, I mean, they were there the 1st of August through, I think, just after Christmas time. Tell us where people can learn more about your project. We have a website and mobile social media pages. Our website is backinthewatermovie.com, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under those names. Well, thank you so much, Savannah. Jaws 2, go check it out, Back in the Water. Check out our website. We'll see you guys next week on Guatney Unplugged.